This is the Bushwick Variety Show. And I'm Alec the Third. Greetings, neighbors, friends, citizens of the world, and conscious beings of all various types. Thank you so much for listening to the Bushwick Variety Show. This episode features Gina Morgano. Gina, among many other things, is a podcast host, a New York-based actor and singer, and uh, her podcast is called The Practice Parlor, and it's uh, all about self-care for singers. And she also does a lot of work with connecting and liberating the voice and getting people to use their voice to tell their story, connect with their truth, um, and, and also hone the physical and technical aspects of the voice. And we talk in this episode about the intersection between science and spirituality, because um, there's also an aspect of using your voice metaphorically that we talk about and that she she works on. Um, so we talk about both of those things, that intersection. And at the very beginning of our conversation, she didn't realize that I was already rolling, which I was. Um, so she wasn't sure if maybe we should cut the beginning, but I think that if we cut the beginning... It takes some later conversations out of context. And everything she said in the beginning was good, too. So we're not leaving it on the cutting floor. It's all in here. So this is Gina Morgano, practice parlor. Let's have a conversation. Hello. Hello, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. What have you been up to lately? Just teaching a lot. Um, we had our spring break and that was nice, but I was still like grading and coming auditions and things like that. And, um, we had a nice Easter with my family. Where, where are you teaching at? I teach at PPAS, um, the the professional performing arts school. Very cool. Um, and then also 92nd street Y. Nice. And How how, how long have you been doing that? Five years, five plus years, yeah. Mm. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. How about you? What have you been up to? I started teaching recently as well. That's um, exciting. When we were doing Big Ideas Lab, I think I was for what I thought was a side job. Um, I mean, I didn't think it was a side job, but I thought I'd be able to do it in parallel to other things. Um, that was insurance and that I was not able to keep doing. Um, but I'm, I don't regret the experience. Um, I'm super happy. I think probably when we talked, I was moving on from that. Um, but yeah, but I got hired by a company that teaches chess to children through storytelling. That's awesome. Yeah. It's all, it's a lot of fun. Um, and it's, connected with what I want to do so yeah that's so cool yeah yeah so how how are you today I'm good I'm well yeah I'm just teaching and that's that yeah it's been a full day it's Mm -hmm. been beautiful out yeah I was out I actually had two two lessons today um in person so oh I went to those yeah very cool Awesome. Can you hear me? Okay. I've been having some like weird mic things. So yeah, I can hear you fine. Awesome. Great. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah. All good. Mm -hmm. Were you around for the old school? Can you hear me now? Ad campaign back in the, not the nineties. That was in the like early two thousands. That sounds familiar, but I don't remember what it was. 
the, the slogan was, can you hear me now? And I'm trying to think what company that was. Um, it might've been singular, which I think be, like merged into AT&T eventually. Oh, okay. Maybe, or it might've been T-Mobile. Um, yeah. So for cell phones. Yeah. That's, mm -hmm. oh my God. Yeah. And now that same guy's doing like another ad campaign. He's like the spokesman for something else. Oh, cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah. But so from Big Ideas Lab, you've you've been developing a workshop and, and a keynote. Yeah. So I was developing a keynote and have a workshop. And I what I'm kind of wanting to do, I haven't reached out to anybody yet but well twofold so there's like the you know for like corporate nonprofit, non-professional artist people and then there's for artists and for professional voice users so um i was kind of went into that with non-professional artists in mind um and i realized i was developing the keynote but i realized i should have just done the workshop because that's really like I'm a teacher. <laughs> like, um, so I want to start reaching out to people about that. But I think that what I might reach out to people about first even is a workshop about I, I steered away from this, but helping people to use their voices like their physical voices, because I really concentrated more on the metaphorical. But um, I realized that there is a need for speakers and professional voice users to know how to use their voices. And then metaphorically also to communicate, how to communicate better. Um, so in that realm, I've been working on a few different things and I think I'm ready to reach out to some people, but I haven't done that yet. And then with my studio, I'm also developing a program kind of in line with the practice parlor, but a group program. That's basically gonna be the corporate workshop, but for artists. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm hoping to launch that soon in the next, couple months, months or two. And what's your studio called again? I, I don't have a name for my studio. It's just, I don't, I don't even call it Gina Morgana studio. It's just, it is. Well, what about <laughs> practice parlor since you have that already? Yeah, I think I'm going to call my group program, the practice society. Okay. Uh, to like tie in with that, but I'm not a million percent ready to commit as like a business name yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I mean, you can always, I know a lot of people run workshops, like kind of one-off workshops that sometimes become the actual name of the thing. And then sometimes they become like the bridge to the thing. Yeah. Yeah. So when are you thinking you wanna like reach out to people about that. And you said you want to reach out to artists. This one would be for artists or. So the practice society would be for artists. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm actually doing Broadway con. Like I signed up to be in their virtual swag bag thing. So nice. I have a planner coming out and I was going to hint at the practice society, maybe do like an early bird or it's coming or something like that. And then I'm hoping it'll be for a June 1st start. So within the next month or two. I was going to make it May and then I was like, I need more time just to get the back end together. You said you have a planner coming out? Yeah, it's going to be digital for now, though. I wanted to print it, but I was like, okay, just hold your horses. And, and what kind of a planner? A practice planner. Mm -hmm. But yeah, tell me about it. 
Yeah. So, um, I, you know, I believe really strongly about being intentional with your practice. Mm -hmm. So, uh, this is not the thing, right? Is this the thing? Oh yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> well, great. If anybody's listening, I thought that was the warm up. Okay. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, so the practice planner is to help people become more intentional with their practice. I believe very strongly in going into each practice session with a sense of purpose and coming out of each practice session with a discovery, with learnings, with questions and homework for yourself to do for next time so that there's always a sense of forward momentum. There's always uh, goals that are in the front of your mind, not the back of your mind as you practice. And so it's an accountability tool to help artists. And is it like a weekly day? Like, is it like associated with like annuals, like with like the days and dates of a week and month? Or is it kind of its own thing that you log your practices through? It's going to be monthly, but it's undated. Okay. Yeah. So there's flexibility there to take some days off, to spread it out over the month, or if you want to use it for longer, you can do that. Uh, you can start any day of the week. And when did you decide you wanted to do that? I had this idea years ago and I actually worked with somebody to develop it, but I didn't have a graphic designer. And so now I have a graphic designer and um, we got the ball rolling, which I'm so excited about. And I was gonna print it, but printing costs are very expensive and I wanted to give people the opportunity to use it and get some more feedback before we print it. So it's gonna be digital first. Mm -hmm. um, and then when do you think you wanna start printing them? I don't or know, we'll you see. You wanna see what happens? Yes, yeah, yeah we'll see. And do you use planners yourself? I use so many planners. I love them. I have a digital calendar, but I really love writing things down. It helps commit things to memory. I am a very visual person, so the act of writing really helps me. I have the Simplified Planner by Emily Lay. I've been using that for years, and that's a daily planner. Is that I, digital or is that? Uh... It's paper. Paper, okay. Mm -hmm. And I use the Horatio Printing Dream Planner, and that's a weekly planner. So I love that because that really got me thinking seasonally. There is a great seasonal refresh. And once I started thinking of my life in quarters and three-month chunks, it really helped me to reflect more often on my goals. Mm-hmm and to readjust my behaviors. What did you say that one was called? That sounds interesting. Horatio Printing Dream Planner. Now that one is a Christian planner, so that may or may not appeal to people, but I love it. It's the most luxurious planner I've ever bought. It's beautifully bound. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, I used to not be a planner at all. Like I remember, how long have you been around like the JWS orbit? 
Since I moved to New York, so more than seven years. Okay. So I, it's just been like a couple of years for me. Um, and the first class I took was shift. And I remember the like kind of pre-class question was how, what type of planner are you? And I knew that I was like a goal chaser, but like kind of a chaotic planner is what I thought. But the big realization coming out of that class is that I never planned in my entire life. I chased goals. So that's how I was able to get some things done. But I had never like really sat and charted things. So since then, um, I've become more of a planner. Because part of the thing in that class was sitting there looking at Jen and hearing her story and just been like, how are you doing all like, how are you possibly doing all these things? And she's like, I plan. And it's like, okay. And then I remember in the, like the following summer, I was in a workshop and this guy, Ruben Santiago gave like a lecture about the importance of a plan. And again, I was asking, I was like, how do you plan as an actor when you don't know what roles you're going to get? You know, you don't get most of the roles that you go for so how do you plan when you don't and he kind of broke that down about like you know you have plans and then you have plan b plan c plan and then as new things come in and if you are using your planner you can like adjust the plan like new opportunities come in and some of the things you go for you do get but a lot of times things play out different than you planned but kind of on track to where you want to go absolutely and i think it's so important that your plans are founded in your values and mm -hmm. your purpose because if you have that north star then the details can change you might take a detour you might change your plans but you're still headed in a direction that is in integrity to who you are and who you want to be. Mm -hmm. And uh, sorry for throwing you off at the beginning if you didn't know we were already rolling, but like it's not live. It is a live conversation between you and I, um, but it's, it's just a conversation. Um, so don't feel like, you know, there's no set limit. There's no set amount of questions it's just a conversation so on speaking of that like a question i have for you is kind of today april 5th 2021 how would you define your purpose or your why um, and however you would want to do that how would you express that today my purpose my why is to honor the light in each person. I truly believe in finding the good and focusing on the good. And through my work, that manifests in me helping people to find their voice inside and out so that they can offer their highest contributions. I want to help people become the best version of themselves that they can be and not even become that, but to see that within themselves and to express that and put that out into the world. Mm -hmm. um, 
And then another question for you, because I've been in a very, I've had a very interesting year. In some ways, 2020 was the best year of my life, I think, because of the amount of inward looking I was able to do. Being forced to like let go of outcomes because everything was kind of off the table um, and really looking in a lot more. So first question for you, because I know you're a person of faith. Would that be safe to say? Yes. Um, are you also like, where does science line up for you? I believe so strongly that art and science, faith and science go hand in hand. I love to see the science, to understand the science, to research the science, to analyze the science. Um, and I don't think that they're two separate things. I think that the science can back up the faith, the art, the more spiritual aspects of our existence and of what we do. And um, I love to also see the art and the spiritual within the science. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, for me this year, like, there was a time when I definitely, I would say, like that REM song, Lost My Religion. But I don't think I would ever say I was a non-believer exactly. I just didn't know which way to go. And I think there was a point where it's easy to look at, th there is like a chaotic, there's an unpredictable nature of life on the one hand, right? But on the other, in my experience, like especially my experience of this past year, it's like there's a magic to it also. And there's like a synchronicity. There's something that happens. Like, so that's the importance of planning and being intentional and being in touch with your purpose. Like you say, it's even if you don't know how to do something, like when you start walking down that road, it really feels like the universe or the God, your better angels align and like come and help you on the way. Like there's just this other thing that happens, like where things come into your life. You know, maybe you're focused on this one thing and maybe that doesn't go. But if you keep a positive frame of mind and keep remembering why you wanted to go for that thing and realize that it's not just about that specific thing that you're aiming towards. It's like, it's the thing beyond that. Then things I find come into, come into your life that like take you where you need to be. Um, yeah. A million percent. For me, the way that I see my faith and that it manifests is that everything is interconnected. Yeah. And, you know, I think a lot of the, the faith talk, the religion talk can be about semantics and which words we use and how we define certain terms. But for me, it really all comes down to this idea of everything and everyone being connected in some way. And as you said, the things that are for you will come to you. And, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I 
don't believe that uh, what is meant for us will pass us. And I also believe that sometimes we don't have to work so hard. Some things, things that are supposed to be just will be and work their way towards us as long as we are being intentional. Yeah. And I feel like one of the big lessons I've been learning it over the past few years, but I'm thinking I'm really zeroing in on it right now and trying to like, just keep coming back to it. It's, I think that's hard for people sometimes. And people also do the same thing with like, talk about the law of attraction or anything they call like woo woo. You know what I mean? Um, And that could be religion for some people, but it's like, yeah, to me also religion and science don't, don't actually um, contradict each other. I feel like there are scientists that get just as dogmatic as some religious people, but at the end of the day, science does say that we're all connected, that we're all made of the same energy. And that's like us, and inanimate objects like they're actually not inanimate they're like part of us too in a way um but uh i think a thing that's really hard for people a lot of times is kind of the idea that religion is saying that there's a plan for you and sometimes that it's like after life so it's like if you're suffering there's a reason right but what i've been realizing is and this is I think where faith comes in and it can be however you look at that like it doesn't have to be religious but it is sort of like everything is an opportunity so even the hardest thing that you could go through and hopefully we don't you know hopefully we only we're all going to experience the hardest thing once in our life you know what I mean Um, but we're all going to experience challenging times, but that everything, even those like hard times are opportunities. And it's like, if you can have grace in those hard moments, then they can also become like the biggest gifts also. Like if they shift you to the next level of awareness, like whatever it is, sometimes it's like, if it's somebody really important to you, you know, like we lose people in in life. We do. But at the same time, like they're always there. And sometimes the lesson they were trying to teach us, we don't learn until they're gone. But as long as like we can take that lesson and then (laughs) carry that out to other people, then it's not for nothing. You know what I mean? And it's like, that lesson probably was something that was going to make our lives better once we finally heard it. It's just sad. Sometimes we don't get it till it's gone. You know? I love that. That is so beautiful. And the idea of using hardships as an opportunity to grow, to find the silver lining, to find the lesson, to offer a piece of wisdom or a positive perspective to help somebody else. Mm -hmm. It's just such a great way of looking at it because the hardships happen and I would not wish my worst hardships on you. And I don't think you would wish your worst hardships on anybody else. And sometimes bad things just happen. But as you said, what, how do you move forward from there? Given that it happened, 
how can you move forward in a positive way? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And some people, I know there's like a lot of studies, some of the greatest people, like the, the greatest stories that we think of sometimes are people that faced a lot of adversity when they were like kids or when they were young. And I think part of the thing that happens, like if they get through that, and it's not that we don't want people to, we definitely don't want people, we want people to grow up in loving environments when they're kids. But when a kid goes through like the hardest childhood ever and still it kind of comes up, learns how to love, the level of love that they have, it's different. Like it's a different kind of, people talk about unconditional love and whether that's real or not, but it's kind of, if you've experienced that much adversity, I think there's something that people understand that, yeah, bad things can happen in life. And so we don't have to act afraid all the time that bad things are going to happen because they are going to happen sometimes. Um, but also enjoy like the good times when they're there, appreciate what you have. Um, but yeah, also don't live your life trying to avoid the bad things. I'm not saying be reckless. You know what I mean? For sure. I do see what you mean. I think that I was having a conversation with somebody and, you know, we're talking about plans. You and I were just talking about plans and there's this thing about doing a pre-mortem where mm -hmm. you think ahead of the possible challenges or the possible obstacles. And this conversation I was having with somebody, this person said, well, I don't like doing that because I feel like I'm drawing the bad things to me. I feel like I'm putting it out in the universe and then something bad might happen. And I understand that. However, for me, that's not how I see it. I think it's just an acknowledgement that everything is not going to go 110% perfectly along the way. So mm -hmm. knowing that some things might happen, building up a plan, building up your resilience. And then there, you know, there are some things that you just can't plan for. There are some things like this pandemic. I mean, I'm sure there are scientists out there that knew this could be a possibility, but I don't think any average person thought, you know, in March, 2020, the world's going to shut down. Yeah. But how do you respond to that when it does happen? Yeah. Yeah. Have you learned anything about yourself during this time? Yeah. I mean, I think I've learned more than I've like, I feel like it's really been one of the deepest years for me in a way. Um, just having the time to, to slow down. Um, I think I'm learning patience also. Uh, there's like a new play I'm really excited about. Like I did a lot of writing last year, um, but there's a brand new play I'm writing and this one's going to be a solo piece. Really excited about it. And at the beginning of the year, there were some opportunities to develop that play further. And so I had like deadlines to get to. In the process of writing it, there were other opportunities that came up as well that were kind of like secondary thoughts, but that I 
like put out there as well. The ones that I was like pretty sure of and like planned for didn't come to fruition, but these other things that came up did. And one of the things with it is like, if, and so I kind of, I guess, did a pre-mortem on all of those that I was applying for, just sort of like, no matter what, I know what I'm working on is valuable. I believe in it. I'm going to work on this project no matter what. Um, And basically, I realized after, even though I would love to be producing a version of this piece right now, it's not a bad thing that the next thing I'm going to do is develop it further at the Barrow Group. Um, That's not a bad thing because I I, I can still share the piece kind of with people that I want to share it with, but like, I'm not sharing it publicly. And so when I do, whenever that is, that it is shared more publicly, it's going to be a lot, it's going to be more developed than it is right now. And I'm happy about it right now. So just kind of having patience, you know, I think we were in such a rush before. And I think it's good to have urgency, but also to remember, like, what is it about? That's like a big question I have right now. Are, are you on Clubhouse at all? I am, yes. Um, so my big question, and I'll, I want to hear what you think about Clubhouse, speaking of the voice and stuff like that. But the big question I have is, the balance between marketing and developing. Because I feel like on Clubhouse and like kind of the social media trap is, it is important. Like if you have something that you wanna share generously with the world to learn how to get it out there. But if that becomes the main focus, and you forget to like sit with yourself and sit with your voice and sit with your thoughts and and hone kind of what you're trying to say. Like, I feel, I feel like it's not quite it for me. You know what I mean? As an artist, because I think at the end of the day, for me, it's, I want to say something. There's like a, maybe certain messages or, or, things, ideas that I'm trying to get out there, but I'm also trying to do it in an artistic way as much as possible. Or, and, and to me as an artist, it's like by saying it in the way that only I can say, if that makes sense. Yes, it does. You know, I have mixed feelings about Clubhouse. I think that it can be really great. I have listened and participated in some amazing conversations. It has been able to connect people from all spheres and give access to conversations that people usually would not have access to. And yet, speaking of accessibility, it is not accessible. It is not accessible for the hearing impaired right now right? It's only audio. So um, also it's not accessible for people who have Androids right now. It's only for iOS. So there are definitely some 
issues with it. And I have noticed the marketing piece. People seem to be on there kind of plugging away mm-hmm. at what they do. And yes, there's great conversation happening, but oftentimes it feels like people are marketing themselves. And I think the same can be true of other forms of social media. And it's something that I struggle with myself because one of the things that I have learned in the past year or realized in the past year is that I need to get my voice out there more. As someone who trains other people's voices, I want to share my knowledge with people beyond the school I teach at or my private students. I want to share what I've learned and the insights that I have. But how to do that in a way that feels an integrity, that feels authentic, that feels artistic, that doesn't feel like you're just sort of following the crowd and doing what everybody else is doing is tricky. And so then sometimes I don't say anything at all and then I regret that. So it is a fine line and a balance, but I think ultimately it comes down to doing and saying what you believe in and what you believe and putting that above outer expectations. Mm -hmm. So if it feels good, do it. And if it doesn't feel good, don't. Yeah, I've found some poetry rooms lately um, and those have been, I've enjoyed those more. Um, Just cause I don't like the idea for me of being on social media, talking about social media. (laughs) And that's what I feel like all of it becomes sometimes. Um, But then on the, on the flip side, it's like, but at the same time, of course, I'd love to get my voice out there more as well. So where's the line? And here's another question for you. I was like pondering yesterday, speaking of the voice, The old saying, it's like the wise person listens while the fool speaks. But then if the wise person doesn't speak, do we just have a world of fools? Because nobody's like, and then the wise person's a fool too for not sharing their wisdom. So when do you listen? When do you speak? You know, like... That is a question. I was in physical therapy this morning and in the office, they have a stone with a little quote on it and it's an anonymous quote, but it says something, I'm paraphrasing, it says something like the woods would be very quiet if only the birds who sang best were the ones who sang. Mm -hmm. And that really resonated with me and You know, I think of my students and sometimes I think of myself and I think, you know, we all as artists can struggle with the imposter experience. We can feel like we might not be good enough. We might not be worthy. We might be nervous. What do people think? Um, Sometimes we might be shy or sometimes we might be intentionally quiet because we want to make space and give room for other voices to be heard. Mm-hmm. And yet, we also all have something to say. And we have something to say that could help another person. 
So as you said, it is a balance and it is about being aware, I think, of how much you're listening and how much you are speaking. Mm -hmm. I think that when we're not aware, that's when we can fall into one extreme. Mm. I'm thinking of my class, right? I'm teaching a public school. There's a whole class of students and some people speak all the time and some people never speak. And yet I try to make that balance. I'll try to say, well, who hasn't spoken yet? Please say something. Yeah. That reminds me. Um, so the, the company I'm working for um, on Saturdays, I do these group classes and one of them has like a special needs kid in it. And just the remembering when, cause yeah, when you feel like you have something to share that can help people, but remembering and this kid reminded me that this weekend, just the gift of giving them the platform to speak and then learning how to be a generous listener that you're hearing them. And then what that does to people who don't always get heard um, is a gift and like a reminder to me, like to like, yeah, like you can like give by listening too. You know? Yes. There's something that I just learned about. It's called the Sonic Diversity Pledge, I believe. And I think it might be part of Pandora, but I'm not a million percent sure. You have to Google it. But the premise is about sound diversity. And, you know, we live in such a visual world and we often talk about diversity and representation in terms of what people look like. Mm. But this is all about the sound and what sounds are we surrounding ourselves with and what sounds are we hiring for voiceover and commercials and um, any audio things. And it was such a wake up call to me. It really was mind blowing. Um, and just having that awareness and perspective of who are we listening to and which voices are the loudest voices, which voices are underrepresented, which voices have something to say and are not being heard, which voices are choosing not to speak. Um, it was just a, a real wake up call to think about sound mm -hmm. and what noise or music or voices we take in. Mm. Um, this particular pledge uh, is it's asking people and companies to increase the number of underrepresented voices on their rosters that they hire. Uh, but I think it is interesting to think about the actual sounds we hear, not even the types of voices, but like, what are we hearing? And I'm sure, you know, as you go about your day, as I go about my day, we're literally being surrounded by sound. And that sound might all be very similar. 
Yeah. Yeah. And especially now where we're not listening to the radio, which I mean, certain radio stations have certain sounds. Um, so they were curating sounds, but we can curate the podcasts that we listen to, the music that we listen to. We have the world in our pocket, but most of us curate an echo chamber, you know, we curate a world and there's nothing wrong with that, but yeah, maybe making sure to take those earphones out when we're having, when we're around other people, you know? Yes. And I think it's important to invite other voices into our space. Mm -hmm. Because if we do have an echo chamber, then we're not opening our minds to other possibilities and to other experiences and other stories and just other perspectives and points of view. Yeah. I mean, that's sort of what has created, you know, the situation that we found ourselves in here, right? Um, is that we surround ourselves with people who look, talk, and think the same way that we do. So Yeah, and then we have major blind spots because of that. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I want to go back. You had asked me about faith and science mm -hmm. and art and science. And I was thinking about the human voice and how that is a perfect example of how they can work together and not in contradiction, right? If we think of our voice, it is science. It is our biology. It is our anatomy. <laughs> it is literally science. And we think of when we speak or when we sing, we're still talking science. We're talking physics and acoustics. And, you know, we can break it down into specific body parts and specific frequencies and sound waves and all those things. It is pure science. And yet it is also art right? We can move people with our voices. We can change them. We can impact them. We can inspire them. We can give them hope. We can uplift them. That is art. And it is also faith because when we speak, when we sing, we are taking a risk. We are putting ourselves out there and we cannot guarantee what will come out. Mm-hmm. Right. You can rely as a singer, you can rely on your vocal technique and you can have faith in that, that it should all go well. But I don't know, maybe like a, a flies flying around and it distracts you or something gets in your mouth. I don't know. Um, you don't know what's going to happen. You might cough. You might like inhale some dust. Like we cannot control that. It is a leap of faith. Singing and speaking is a leap of faith. And you also can't control what the reaction is going to be. So that's a leap of faith as well. That, you know, when we sing, when we speak, we are making ourselves vulnerable. We are exposing ourselves to judgment, to other people's opinions. And yet we have to give voice to 
our values to things that are important. And that's an act of faith. Yeah. So, I think they all go together. Yeah. And something I remember you asked me earlier, something that I learned in the pandemic. Uh, and it just reminded me it's uh, that we don't create in a void. We don't speak into a void. So that actually using our voice, and of course you talk about this in your keynote, but it's a, it's a powerful thing. It's a vulnerable thing. You don't know if anybody is hearing you or receiving what you're saying, but it's not a void. Like we really are connected in ways that are like hard to explain, but I, uh, do you know Russell Brand? I know that name. He's an actor, comedian. He has a podcast. He just released a new audio book. And I really, he talks about this a lot on this kind of stuff on his podcast a lot, but the audiobook is called Revelation. And he, I think before he got famous or maybe in the beginning of it, he, he was an addict at one point. Um, so he's gone through recovery and that's a big part of his faith. And faith is a lot, a big part of recovery because it is about realizing that there's a bigger thing than you. Um, but one of the things he talks about, he's science-based also, and both, like it's a conversation that he's having. But basically he's talking about like a radio or our phone. But if you found like an isolated tribe somewhere in the world that wasn't connected, they're, those are very far and few, but you know, in between, or if we went back in time, if we were able to travel back in time with our iPhone or something that could play the human voice. What most people would think if they heard a voice or saw an image is that they would think that somehow there was somebody inside the device. That would be a more rational explanation than that, oh, there's these radio waves being trans, you know what I mean? That would be pretty ridiculous to people. Yet, that is what's happening. Like right now, it's not radio waves. Right now, it's space and satellites. But yeah, like based on what we know or what we knew back then, we would come up with different conclusions. Science, what we know right now, we know how some things work, but the biggest thing about science is there's still a lot more that we don't know. Um, another podcast I was listening to, speaking of time travel, is basically saying that science is getting to this point where we've been using time and space to kind of explain things. But even that is like a limited idea. Like it's actually the way we think about it isn't, isn't quite it either. 
Um, so I don't even know where I'm going with that. Um, just, yeah, just the main point is our voice is more valuable than we think and, and kind of just that the there is no void. It's every person has their own unique perspective. There will never be the exact same version of you or I in this moment, because also we kind of change and become different people at different parts in our life, even though there's a through line to our experience in this life. But our unique experience gives us a unique perspective of the universe. And so our voice and sharing our perspective helps everybody kind of understand themselves better. I love that. And I couldn't agree more. You know, just as we say that nobody else has your face, right? Even if you're mm -hmm. an, an identical twin, it's, there's always gonna be something that's just a little bit different. And the same can be said about your voice. It can be said about your physical voice and the way that it sounds, but it can also be said about your ideas and your creativity and the language that you choose to use to express a particular sentiment that somebody else might put different words to make that same point. And it's the way that you choose to do that, that will speak directly to somebody else and resonate mm -hmm. in a way that that person needs to hear it. That's why, you know, there are so many teachers out there. I teach voice, but, you know, if a student isn't a match for me, I'm going to recommend another teacher because I want everybody to find the voice that resonates with them, the teacher that resonates with them so yeah. that they can magnify their own voice. Mm -hmm. And I think that it is important also to find the voices that inspire you, that inspire you to cultivate your own voice mm -hmm. and to share it. Yeah. So do you think, because I, I really liked your keynote as well. Um, are you going to keep developing that too? Thank you so much. Yes, I hope to. So since I didn't know we were rolling at the top of this, I think <laughs> I'll maybe explain a little bit what it is. <laughs> um, so the idea of the keynote is that there are three different stages to cultivating our voice, that our voice is actually energy, it's motion, it's vibration. And we can cultivate our voice at the individual level. We can cultivate it at the collective team level in collaboration with other people. And then we can take it a step further and there is a ripple effect where all of these voices working in tandem can create something that is greater than the sum of its parts. And so I, what I want people to realize and recognize is that by you cultivating your voice to the very best of your ability, then 
you are impacting the whole because when all these voices come together, so I sing in a choir, right? It's this choir of solo singers who then come together to sing in harmony with one another. And that choir is like none that I've ever been a part of before because we're all trained as soloists. And yet we put the solo singer part aside and we work in collaboration. And when you have all of these voices that have really trained to be the best that they can be, then the effect is so much more magnified and so much more, I hope, inspirational and effective than if you have, you know, a group of singers who just enjoy singing together, but have not taken the time to really train their instrument. And that's not to say that anybody shouldn't, you know, join a choir for fun or sing karaoke or anything. I love all that stuff too. But magic can happen when each individual has really cultivated what they have to offer themselves mm -hmm. and then offer that in collaboration. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Like, I agree. If everybody, the more people that vibrate at the highest level, or at least aspire to vibrate on that higher level, um, that will inspire other people to do it. And the more people that are vibrating at a higher level, um, then the whole world vibrates at a higher level. We we become the world that we wish we were living in. You know, a lot of times people wish for something else instead of becoming what they wish for. <laughs> like, you know? Yes, absolutely. And we were talking about the art and the science and you know what my keynote is about, but mm -hmm. um, in it, I talk about vibration. And this idea that in music, there's something called the overtone series where you sing a pitch, but it's not only that pitch. What actually happens is that there are other pitches, the overtone series built on top of that. And when the overtones ring, then the sound becomes so much more resonant and vibrant. And what happens is that you can cultivate that individually you can maximize your own overtones, but when you bring a choir of people together, then the overtones become amplified even more. So the sound is literally a sound that could not be created if these people did not come together. You're hearing pitches, actual vibrations that occur only because of this collaboration. Nice. So, um, yeah, I just, I want to encourage everybody to consider what you have to give and know that it's valuable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you were mentioning earlier, like a lot of people feel imposter syndrome, like, well, what if it's not good enough? And actually in Clubhouse yesterday, and I, I'm weary of, <laughs> of social media. So it's like, I'm on and then I'm off, but, uh, somebody asked how to tell their story. Um, and it was kind of a writer's room 
And yeah, the biggest thing with that is like, you don't, you're not going to get better at using your voice if you don't use your voice. Like, so you have to use it to, to grow. And it's like, maybe, and you won't even know where you are if you don't share your voice. Sometimes people have like natural gifts and they luck out and start somewhere where other people, you know, it might take longer to get to. Um, and, you know, everybody has different gifts and different things that they're going to be more uh, inclined towards, I guess. But everybody can get better at, at things, you know, and maybe they won't be able to be an opera singer, um, a vocalist singing on some of the stages that you've gotten to sing on. Um, but there are still like a unique way that they could use their voice, um, even if it's not conventional. Oh, yes, for sure. And okay, I'm thinking of two separate situations. The first situation, I'm thinking of my high school students and how they evolve and they, how they grow from being a freshman to being a senior. And in those four years, the amount of progress and the amount of transformation is unbelievable. It's so inspiring. And yet there's no way of knowing when they come in as a freshman, which students are going to be the one senior year that want to do this for a career that apply to the top conservatories that have these, you know, truly pre-professional instruments. Mm -hmm. There's there's no way of knowing when you're starting at the very, very beginning. You can right. have you can have faith in yourself, you can have belief, you can have work ethic, and those things are clues, right? But you know, some people they all progress. Some progress more than others, faster than others, right? But everybody makes progress. Everybody. But you gotta start, you gotta just take those baby steps and do it. And then the other thing I was thinking about is I'm thinking about the stories of kindness that I've heard, stories mm -hmm. of people who are going out into their communities, who are visiting and taking groceries to seniors that are donating food to people in need, all these different stories of kindness, right? And those are ways of using your voice, right? You don't have to be a singer, but you have to offer what you have to give and put it out there in a way that can be useful and can be meaningful and can be helpful to people. If you just keep it all inside, afraid of what other people will think, afraid of being good enough, afraid of being judged, then not only is it not helping people, but at least I know I feel this way. I feel that I'm not giving my best and it makes me sad. Yeah. Like, I know that there's more there. I know there's potential. I know that there is something in me that is not coming out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there's hiding that can happen. Yes. And sometimes we know that we're hiding. And sometimes we don't because we're really good at coming up with excuses. <laughs> mm -hmm. We're really good at coming up with very valid 
reasons. And yet sometimes we just have to take that leap of faith and put our voices out there. Yeah. 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 I had that recently with, um, I was in Jen Waldman studios last month and Mark taught story slam and since big ideas lab like i've it's still kind of the same thing it's kind of building on on it but i've shifted to this idea of it's the greatest storyteller and basically that's my superhero name which is like still scary to say it's it's also not all about it's like a whole platform but first i was going with great storyteller and then that domain was gone And then I looked and I was kind of kept thinking about Muhammad Ali, the greatest and everything. And the greatest was available. And then I was like, you're hiding. And everybody I told it to, they were like, yeah, greatest is more inspiring than great. It is aspirational, of course. But it's like you said at the beginning of this, we want people to be the best versions of ourselves. I think we all know that that's like an aspirational thing for us. But the question is, are we really trying to be the best version of ourselves? Like, are we really allowing ourselves to be great? Are we really allowing ourselves to be the greatest? Because there's, I think, a fear that, oh, if I say that, then that's going to come off too boastful. And it can, but I think the point is, if you say it, (laughs) then you have to do it. And that's where it's like really scary because yeah, you were voicing something, you're putting it out there. And so then you have to say it. And so for Mark's class, Story Slam, I'm taking all the notes and I had an idea about what I wanted to do, but I almost didn't share on the final, for the final, like the sharing, the public sharing. And then I did, I signed up at the last minute and, you know, had to work on it that day, but it gave me the opportunity to hone what I was trying to say right there. Um, And then it came out pretty well, but it's like, yeah, you have to put yourself on the hook sometimes. And it very well also could have not been my best work. Either one would be fine, though. Like, you know, you're going to learn something no matter what. Like, you're going to, if you want to be a great storyteller, you have to tell stories. Yes, that's so fantastic. And also... It makes me think of what just happened on this podcast in the first eight minutes. (laughs) So I totally thought that it was just, you know, you and I, two friends, just kind of catching up. Hi, how are you? And then we're going to turn on the podcast. And that was not the case since we were rolling from the start. And I don't know if the listeners noticed. I don't know if you noticed. As soon as we, I knew that we were rolling, I changed. I changed my demeanor. I changed my vocal tone. I changed the intentionality with which I was speaking. And I definitely noticed it. It was a dramatic shift. 
And hearing you speak just now, what it made me realize is that I wasn't being intentional in our first eight minutes. I, you were asking me about my keynotes and my programs and what I've been up to. And I was being quite honestly, pretty wishy-washy and vague. And I think that we all have an onstage public persona. And then we have that offstage, backstage persona. And I, I think that's okay. I mean, there are mm. times when we just, you know, need to relax and chill and we don't have to be so on all the time. That said, now I'm thinking and questioning the intentionality with which I approach my day-to-day -day life and day-to-day -day existence. Yeah. And I've been listening to a lot of like a lot of the podcasts I listen to, not well, so some of them, I'm interrupting myself here, but uh, sometimes I'll hear some of the people that I listen to the most, they will say the same thing over and over again. Not, not everything that they're saying, but there is a certain thing that they say when they're talking to somebody that kind of recontextualizes everything that they say. And on the one hand, I could, I could see how that could be annoying, but it, I don't know, it really, even though I've heard it over and over again, I like it. Like it does something for me. It reminds me of who they, who they are, why they're doing what they're doing over and over again. Um, and so for me, I've started trying to use that. Like if I'm meeting with agents even, and they're like, oh, what do you do? And I'm like, well, um, I'm Alec III, the greatest storyteller, breaking generational curses through speaking, writing, acting, and music. Um, that, it's like a little script, um, but it's helpful because it kind of centers me where I am. And then, yeah, just trying to be more intentional. And then finding also the flip side of that, though, is sometimes people ask you how you're doing. Like I was at a dinner party the other night. So what have you been up to? And I'm starting to talk about it. And I realize they didn't really want to know. Without, you know what I mean? Or they're not. And, and that's fine. But being aware of that, too, like as we were talking earlier, like the gift of listening um, isn't always, we all got to work on these things. So, you know, we're doing our best. Yes, for sure. Breaking generational curses. That's so good, Alec. I love that. And I think as, well, as humans, I was going to say as artists, but as humans, we can be wary of repetition. Mm -hmm. We often are concerned that we are saying the same things over and over, that we're doing the same things over and over, like that's a bad thing. Right. And sometimes it can be such a good thing because mm -hmm. people need to see you, hear you, hear your message, hear your story multiple times. We are so... Um, what's the word? We, we have so much content around us. We are flooded with noise. Yeah. 
that for something really to resonate and make an impact, oftentimes we need to hear it multiple times. Mm -hmm. And also we need to hear it. Yes. So it's like when we're speaking, we also need to like hear ourselves speak. You know what I mean? Like that's why when you tell your story, you get better at it. Because sometimes you say things that you didn't know you were going to say until you started to say them, be it writing, speaking, however you're using your voice, um, it becomes more clear. Yeah, the more you use it. Yes. And going back to the vocal metaphor here, when I am working with my students, and I'm sure you've probably heard this in your own voice lessons. Singers cannot go by what it sounds like. They have to go by what it feels like. Mm -hmm. And that's because you literally cannot hear your own voice accurately. You are hearing your voice through your bone conduction and other people are hearing your voice through their bone conduction, through the acoustics of the space, through the tech equipment that is being used, the microphones, the speakers and such. So as you are learning to sing, the only way to know if it sounds good is to know if it feels good. And I think the same can be said about the stories we share, the messages we share, how does it feel to articulate? And, you know, if that feels good, that might be something you want to say again. And if it doesn't feel good, okay, you tried it. You can tweak it. You can say something else next time. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I think that we're so concerned about what other people think and what other people feel. And on one hand, I, I actually want us to care more about what other people feel. Um, I think that's very, very important. Sometimes I feel like there is a lack of consideration and thoughtfulness for other people's experiences. And also, how do we feel when we're saying something? I was actually having a conversation with somebody else about this. Does saying something make you feel good and helpful and in alignment? Or does saying that thing, even if you agree with that thing, make you feel like a person you don't want to be, like icky somehow? Yeah. And if you speaking feels like you're pushing, feels like you are um, being, you know, that like salesy marketing person, or if you mm -hmm. feel like you're being somebody who is just trying to like rile up and stir anger and it's making you angry instead of actually being effective yeah, for change, then you might want to adjust your, your message or your communication method. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that comes down to like being honest to me. Like, it's like being honest with yourself. Yes. I mentioned at the top, I was developing a program for corporate and then also the practice society for artists. And that's one of the pillars. One of the pillars is identity 
And really mm -hmm. it's about awareness. It's about self-awareness and it's about awareness of the world around you. And I truly believe that to cultivate your voice, you have to start with identity and awareness because if you don't have that self-knowledge and that filter through which to see if things are in alignment, then it's so hard to move forward and express yourself with confidence. But once you have that, once you know your values, once you know your purpose, once you know your artistic aesthetic, once you know the causes and the um, organizations and charities and all those things that are important to you, then it's so much easier to speak. Mm -hmm. And it's so much easier to use your voice in service. Yeah. And you really have that strong sense of identity. Absolutely. And I think I'm curious, Alec, for you, is that something that came easily or is that something that you had to learn which part just your knowing? sense of, yeah of identity and self-awareness as a person as an artist no i definitely had to learn it um i i would say i on the one hand always had a strong sense of myself like writing i didn't value it completely when I was younger, but writing always kind of came naturally, I guess, for lack of a better word. Um, I had a knack for it. Uh, I was trying to be a badass, so it didn't fit in with my badass demeanor that I was trying to build. Um, but the more, it's it's like something that I knew was there like the ability to articulate my thoughts on paper and then to put those into like spoken word um and then over the years to like translate those into dramatic text narrative text um that was there but as an actor in my early 20s and i had dreadlocks in my early 20s but I was trying to like, I was really concerned with like fame when I was younger and trying to like do the, like, yeah, trying to fit whatever, trying to figure out what the code was. And it's taken me a long time and I left acting for a while. And when I left acting, the band I started was I Am The Third. So it was very much affirming myself um but then when i came back to acting as much as i wanted to keep myself i found myself going back to some of those and it, some of it you can't avoid you know we're auditioning for parts that are ultimately somebody else decides whether we get them or not um i think finally i'm getting to the point and again it's you know it's constant work but understanding that yeah the right parts will come along and to not to just keep focusing on honing my instrument honing who I am as an artist and also understanding that actually yeah I have a voice like I have a 
writing voice. I have a, a an instrument that can express as an actor and as a singer. So as like a like vaudevillian type, the greatest storyteller. Um, and and I can write things. So maybe it's more work. It is more work in a way, but maybe. I need to do the work that I know I'm capable of, which is there's original work that I can write for myself. There's things I can write for other people. Um, but yeah, my lane is probably somewhere in that, like a writer, actor. So it's like a longer road. But at the end of the day, if I actually do the work, I, I mean, I can't control the outcome, but it's like if something that I create completely on my, and not completely on my own, because like I said, the universe conspires with us when we step onto like our path. Um, and we all need support from other people. We need to, it's all collaborative. But if I create an original piece as a writer and an actor, I know for a fact, because there are other examples who have done that, like Lin-Manuel Miranda is like an obvious example right now. Um, but there are plenty of other writers slash actors. When you do that, you can kind of write your own ticket. So agents, casting directors, they're important. But if you can like develop your own work and to build your own audience, like you don't have to wait for anybody else. You don't have to like try to fit a mold that you're not ever going to fit. Like, you know, so short answer, no, it's not taken. It's not been easy. Um, but at the same time, I know that I've been hiding from trying to be the best version of myself for a long time. Um, I know that I, went and danced with the shadow version of myself for a long time. Um, I know that part of the shadow version of me is dead now, for lack of a better word, but I also know the shadow is always going to be there, but it's not, I'm not giving it life anymore. Um, so yeah, it's been a long journey and not all of it's been easy but i'm so grateful now because i feel back on the path i feel like it's really clear i don't know the outcome but i know that like i kind of know how to align myself because i can admit to what it is that i know that i feel i'm called to do like i have clarity of purpose um yeah yes i'm curious when did you become aware of muhammad ali and become interested in him and his story yeah um as a kid like i grew up in the mike tyson era and i remember my dad being like you know yeah yeah mike tyson um but what about, what do you know about Muhammad Ali? And it's like, I don't know Muhammad Ali. I know Tyson. Like he was the heavyweight champ. 
And then I remember when Mike Tyson lost his championship. And I remember at one of my dad's, like a friend my dad made had a, a projector and like old fight tapes and like a documentary about Muhammad Ali on like a projector. So it was like old school. Um, but I watched that documentary and it went to when he, you know, had kind of brain damage, like stayed in the ring. It went that far. So it was like sad. So I saw this whole journey of this, this man and kind of what, who he was, what he represented. So it was young. Um, but the big thing with him was he named himself like literally, you know, and it was with the nation of Islam and stuff like that, but he chose a name for himself um, and also named himself the greatest before he did it and was called cocky. But at the same time, he took a big, like to say that takes a lot of guts and you take a big risk. Um, and a lot of people are, were rooting against him and he didn't win all the time. Like he lost fights too. So his journey is not like a perfect journey, but he became greater than what he even set out to be because he was calling himself the greatest saying he was going to be the greatest fighter, but everything that he did after he became the champion and kind of standing for what he believed in that's what made him the greatest. And, and he inspired so many children. Um, he's one of the most celebrated figures around the world. And he was fun and he was funny. And he had some really serious, poignant things to say. Um, so yeah, like, and I think the other lesson there for artists is, you know, we are going to suffer like part of life is suffering, but we don't have to like punish ourselves. We don't have to stay in the ring for too long. Um, we can take care of ourselves also. So it's like, he also taught me that like, I'm not trying to be a professional fighter. I do train martial arts, but I'm also not trying to get into like competitive martial arts at this point, you know, maybe for fun, but not I'm not trying to have a fighting career at this stage in my life. Um, but yeah, but if the, if show business isn't healthy for me, for whatever reason, like it's okay to step away. Like there's more to life. Um, yeah, but he's just, he's one example, you know, yeah. but he is very important to me. So, oh, you uh, made me think of so many things. The first is the reason that I asked you when you became aware of him was because I had a hunch that it, you were going to say childhood. Mm -hmm. And that's because our childhood experiences inform so much of our identity and our values as we grow. And I was thinking back to my American Girl doll, Samantha Parkington, whom I adored, whom I still adore. I still have her in a chest in storage somewhere. And she lived at the turn of the 20th century. She was on Park Avenue, but her story was all about inclusion and acts of kindness. And, you know, she was during that Edwardian time period. And 
it's only, I think, in hindsight that we can connect all of those dots backwards. So when I think of my life and I think of my art and my career and what I aspire to do and who I aspire to be, I can link so much of that back to her. Mm -hmm. I can link, you know, the period pieces that I love singing from that time period, I can link that inclusion is so important to me because reading her stories taught me to value that. Mm -hmm. And I think we all have these aspects of our childhood, but as you said, as we grow, sometimes we will interact with the shadow, with the flip side. And yeah. I think that sometimes, at least I know for me, I think I had a large part of my identity as a child. However, I didn't have the purpose or the intentionality behind it. Yeah. So when I grew up, when I went to college, for instance, some of those things like, you know, being of service that I value so much, I became very focused on myself on yeah. training and being the best singer I could be. And I don't have time to do this and I don't have time to do that. Um, sometimes I still find myself falling into that trap. Mm -hmm. But then once we come, once we become aware of the purpose, we can connect all the dots. And so I think that can be very illuminating just to think back to childhood and what inspired you and what piqued your curiosity and what moved you as a child. And then link that to you today. Yeah. And what art you want to create, what art you want to share, what messages, what causes you want to get involved in. Also, you mentioned the idea of writing and creating your own pieces, mm -hmm. which I love so, so much. I really believe in artists being producers as well. Yeah. I have found a lot of joy in concert performances in cabaret in doing benefit concerts things like that and i think sometimes in this field we can face so much rejection and it can get us so down that it's easy to lose that sense of purpose right and so when you are in control when you're in the driver's seat and you can do work that is meaningful to you and put it out there not because somebody asked you to do it but because you believe that it has value for other people, mm -hmm. then you're in per you're on purpose and in alignment. And I don't know about you, but I get that same sense of joy of feeling like I'm doing what I'm meant to be doing. And it doesn't matter if I'm singing at Carnegie Hall or if I'm singing in my living room. Yeah, I, and I almost feel the stuff that I've like made for myself like doesn't compare in the sense of like there's like a whole other level of like pride in knowing it's it like has to do with if if I'm performing on a big stage and there's a standing ovation or or something like that or people tell you but it's not, but I didn't, like, I'm proud, of course, as a performer, but when it's, like, something that I helped, like, shape and make happen, 
And I know as an artist, like that it was a good, like that I, like it was like some, like that I did my best work and however many people, like, of course I would love the huge audience for that as well, but it's like the intimate performances that are shared. Like as, as long as there's a witness there, it's just as magical um, because it's like, I really feel like I put my whole soul into it, you know, and I try to do that as a performer too, but yeah, there's like another level of pride. I feel when you, cause you're really putting yourself out there then, you know, when you like produce something too. Yes. And, you know, I can be, I like to be in control. I like to manage, micromanage all the details sometimes. And so, you know, it allows you to stretch your creativity and to express yourself, yourself in other ways when you are producing. Mm -hmm. So it's not only about you doing that one job of being the singer or the actor, but you get to create in, you know, your stage design, choosing your collaborators, the design of your program and your marketing materials and the whatever you choose to wear, your costume design, like every little detail gets to be an expression of your creativity. You know, you also make me realize with, as far as like intentional conversation, um, there's like a pilot shooting coming up and this is like very, I'm, I'm excited about it because the people making it like made it happen. They did the fundraising, they put, they put it all together. So it's like st- that kind of work where it's like, yeah, you got, you, you're doing this, you know, you wanted to do it. You're making it happen. It's happening. Um, because I've produced, like I've been involved with making things before as an actor, when I go to costume fittings now, I have a, I have a deeper, it's still, we're not like getting each other's life stories necessary, necessarily, but I have like, I feel like a deeper connection with everybody involved in the production because there's a part of me that thinks like a producer when you're, and when you're making your own work, you have to have those intentional conversations with everybody. So then when you find yourself as a performer, it's easier to have a different level of conversation with everybody, which then I think makes any production that you're in, at least your experience of it, deeper, like richer. Um, that's like you, you have like another thing I learned. It's like you can't control everything outside of you, right? But if you can like work on like mastering yourself and changing your mind, if you can change your mind in a situation or like flip your perspective, everything does change. Your reality does change if you can change your own perspective, you know? Yes, 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 yes. And then it ripples because other people, maybe not everybody's as excited about the project as you are. But if you can bring humanity to it and to them and light, share light, then maybe your light that you're sharing with them 
will be the thing that makes them fall in love with the project that they're involved with versus it being just another job, you know? Yes. And isn't it so true that there have been projects and experiences that we all have had where we felt so valued, where we felt like we were giving value and meaning and that what we were doing was truly, truly important and going to make a positive difference in people's lives. Like we were Mm -hmm. a part of something special. And then there are other times where it's a job, it's a gig, it's an obligation. And it's those meaningful experiences that we all want more of, right? We want Mm -hmm. those. And what made them meaningful? Well, likely it was the people and it was the humanity and the way that people were treated and the inspirational language that was used and the attention to purpose and to sharing that purpose in a way that got everybody to believe in it together and work towards it together. And that made everybody feel like what they had to offer was important to that whole. Yeah. Because it is. (laughs) Like, everybody is important. Like, it's, it affects everybody, you know? Yes, for sure. Uh, where's the best place for people to follow you and keep up with what you're up to and everything? Yes. Well, you can reach me via my website, GinaMorgano.com. You can reach me at Gina Morgano on Facebook, Instagram, and now TikTok. I'm trying it. Um, also Clubhouse, also trying it a little bit. And I have the Self-Care for Singers Facebook group. If there are any singers interested in wellness and self-care, you can check that out as well. And you also have a podcast as well. Yes, I do. Thank you for bringing it up. The Practice Parlor is my podcast. It's available on iTunes and um, the video is on YouTube and my Facebook page as well. Nice. Um, Hold on, I'm going to. One sec. Yeah, sure. So for people who don't know, The Practice Parlor is a podcast about the practices that shape world-class artists' lives on stage and off. And Alec, you have been a guest, so thank you for taking part in that. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Um, Is there anything else you want to talk about today? The only thing I want to say is that Whoever is listening to this, your voice matters. Your voice matters more than you will ever know, and it will have an impact that is greater than anything that you could possibly imagine. You won't know the true impact that your voice has. So use it in faith. Use it with courage. Use it with purpose. Mm-hmm. And... Do you have any final parting thoughts? I know it sounds like you just did it, but even on top of that, I love the thoughts after the thoughts. The thoughts after the thoughts. We're all learning and we're all growing. So don't be afraid to make a mistake. 
And when you do make a mistake, just talk about it. There is very little in this world that cannot be fixed or made better. So take a chance and speak from the heart. And also thank you, Alec, for having me. I'm so grateful and appreciative. And it's always wonderful to chat with you, but you were such a gracious host, so thank you. Thank you for being here. It's always great to talk to you as well. Um, so yeah, so let's be in touch. I appreciate you. I appreciate the work you're doing. And I look forward to seeing what's coming next with the workshop and the keynote um, in whichever order they end up coming out. You know, it's all a process, like you said. Um, yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Likewise, Thank you. I can't wait to see what you do too. Thank you. Bye. Bye. So that was my conversation with Gina Morgano. Check out the links in the show notes to her website, Instagram, follow her, and subscribe, rate, review, and share her podcast, The Practice Parlor. Um, all those links will be in the show notes, so check them out. Do the thing. Click the buttons. Um, and Gina, if there's anything that you didn't like in this, it's not a, a gotcha show, so I can't always pull things out. But like I said, I, I thought the, the opening was really lovely. Um, and I thought we had a great conversation, so I left it all as is. Um, so let me know what you thought. And listener, listening to this podcast, um, if you enjoy this podcast and you haven't already subscribed, rated, reviewed, or shared, or all of the above, um, please do that. And also sign up for my newsletter. Uh, my sidekick, Hannah, is going to kick my butt if I don't... Um, Get some things over to her later today for the long-delayed newsletter. Uh, I've been in a little rut, um, but we're breaking out of it. And going forward, we are almost into May. This is the last week of April. Happy birthday to my little brother later in this week, um, April 30th. Uh, you know, send him some love telepathically, electronically. Um but yeah, subscribe for that newsletter. Um, if you want to support the Patreon, the links are in the show notes as well. And we will be back here on Monday, uh, probably with a fresh episode, or I may do some, some, something different on Monday. Uh, stay tuned. Something will be coming out on Monday. So until then, be well. Do your thing. Share your perspective. There's only one perspective like yours, so it's infinitely valuable, and it's important to share it. So I want to see what you're up to. The world needs to see your perspective, so share it, and I'll be back here. Thank you very much for listening. Have a good one. Until next week, peace. Peace.